At the moment, we're a small company. We've got 20 of us about. And I like how it's grown and controlled the growth. Um, it's very difficult to find skilled machinists and skilled staff, but we can teach them. That's the most important thing. And pay them a good wage. That's the other important thing. It's no longer factory work. It's more like a skill. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 88 of the Make It British podcast. I have been out on the road again recently doing one of those things I love to do, which is visiting manufacturers in their natural habitats, i.e. in their factories, so that I can bring their behind the scenes stories to you on this podcast. So this week, I, well, actually last week, but on this week's episode, I went to see Crown Northampton, who, if you've not heard of them, it's a footwear factory in Northampton who have their own brand called Crown Northampton. The footwear factory is actually called Chancery. I think it's called Chancery Footwear. And I was... um, given a tour by a chap called Chris Woodford, who is the fifth generation of the Woodford family to have a footwear factory business in Northampton, which I'm sure you know is the home of English shoes. There are more footwear factories in Northampton than anywhere else in the UK combined. So I took a trip to Northampton and I wanted to meet Chris and also Mark Higgs, who works for him, who's the brand manager from Crown Northampton, to find out a bit more about their business. Because Crown Northampton and Chancery Shoes, the factory, is quite different to any of the other factories in Northampton. They're they're what I call the footwear industry disruptors. They're the new guys on the scene and they're doing quite a different type of shoe to what most of the other Northampton guys make. Now, if you do know something about the English footwear industry, you'll probably know that the type of shoe that is world-renowned and that is made in Northampton is of a Goodyear welted construction. So that is, think brands like Cheney's or Church's or even Grenson. They all manufacture their shoes in Northampton with a certain type of construction and it's called the Goodyear welted sole. Now, Crown do something quite different at their factory, and what they are making is things like sneakers and jazz shoes, which you may know if you're in the dance industry, you'll know what they are, and also some slippers as well. And they've been making that type of shoe for quite a few years now, and they launched their Crown Northampton brand, which is a brand of sneakers, or what I call trainers, but you'll hear them refer to to sneakers quite a lot in this interview. They launched that a couple of years ago under um, Mark's Watch, who is the the brand manager. So in this interview and this, this tour, at first I speak to both Mark and Chris to get a bit of an idea about the history of the business. And Mark gives us lots of details about how 
he came up with the idea of the brand. And Chris talks about how his family's business has very much changed over the years and the business that he took on from his father. And then they're going to give us a tour around the factory so that we can find out some of the ways in which they construct their shoes. So there's quite a bit of background noise, as you can imagine. It's a working factory, but I tend to think that that adds to the atmosphere of the piece. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you'd like to hear me visit or interview any other particular British brands or types of products, then do let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Um, drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk or even leave me a review on iTunes or one of your, whichever is your favourite podcast app and maybe pop something in there about what you've been enjoying listening to on this podcast or what you'd find useful in the future. Okay, shall we start our tour and our interview with Chris and Mark? Do you want to first introduce yourself, say who you are and uh, and where we are, or where I am today visiting? I'm Chris <laughs> Woodford and you're in my factory in Northampton. I'm Mark Higgs and I'm brand manager for Crown Northampton. Right, so you were just about to tell me the history of the family business, Chris, so come on, fire away. How did it all start? So it started in London in 1908 with my great-great-grandfather. Um, and he made bespoke stuff, kind of the high-end welter stuff, individual pairs. And uh, stayed there for many, many years until my father moved to Northampton in the 80s when the whole of the shoe trade was in Northampton. Basically where, where the place to be in the 80s. Um, and he made for department stores like Marks and Spencers, Spencers British Home Stores when that was around. And then um, in the early 90s, mid 90s, department stores decided to buy from elsewhere and moved to like the Chinese markets and Indian markets. It's the same story you'll hear a lot in Northampton, all the big factories and everything kind of went around that era. And then um, at um, early 2000s, I left school and didn't want to run a factory. My <laughs> father had started again making, um, making Formula One racing boots and things like that, little bespoke stuff. And I, um, I didn't want to make for other people. Um, so I learned to pattern cut and design and then created Bowen Range, and um, things moved on from there. Yeah, the, the brand now is Crown of Hanson, which is our flagship brand, I suppose you'd call it. And um, yeah, we sell that mainly to Asia, but more recently online and um, the UK and the US with sneakers and more casual stuff. Beautifully wonderful materials, like everyone else in Northampton, but just um, more casual collection. And you've also done a collaboration with um, Billy Tannery, haven't you, because I interviewed um, a chat from Billy Tannery on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah. That's quite a nice little tie-in. Isn't it? How did that come about? How did that come about? Ask Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was basically, um, as a lot of these things, through Instagram, a lot of it really, the first kind of contact is made. Um, they like what we were doing. We like what they were doing. Um, said, should we try and do something together? Um, it's quite, well, reasonably simple really because they have the leather, they supply us the leather and use our... I suppose stars and silhouettes, um, and yeah, it's kind of just gone from there. They've done like a pre-order. This is the second time around that we're doing it, um, and yeah, it's just really good exposure for, for our brand, for their brand. We're literally separated by a, bound, a county boundary. Uh, they're pretty much in Leicestershire, I think, and we're in we're in Northamptonshire. I'm pretty sure it's Leicestershire. Um, so yeah, it's a nice it's a nice time, like using their 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 materials. Like what Chris said, we always try and use different materials, their materials with our products. So all the footwear you do, is, all, is it all menswear? Now you've got like some dark shoes unisex, here. It's unisex, yeah. Unisex. So what we do is we've, we've kind of gone with the route of, 
as much as some of these styles are going to be more suited to females and some are going to be more suited to male, we're unisex. So effectively, if you were to take a, a Converse Chuck Taylor, that's like a three to a you know, 16, whatever it is, uh, and the same size run goes through. We, we operate on the same kind of uh, premise that the sneakers uh, literally start from three to 13, uh, half sizes, um, because it's all made to order. We're not stocking it. It's the order comes in. We start making it um, to the specification that's needed. So, no, that's kind of the. We are probably more male heavy from the from the website perspective. But in Asia, right, you do a lot of. It's a lot of yeah, female. Probably eighty percent yeah. is female. So, where is your big, biggest market for the shoes? Is it Asia because they appreciate the British quality? Yeah, Japan specifically. Same as most factories in. In fact, every factory in Northampton is our biggest market. So what percentage is export of the shoes that you're making here today? Uh, 80% probably. Yeah, because um, the the website, the web sales side, what, two years? Yeah, yeah. Selling it's online. Only, it's only been, selling online has only been two years. So the business is, from, I came in just over, well, around about two years ago um, and tried to use the what was already in place with the Japanese market because obviously they're a very good market to mm-hmm. follow and be led by. Uh, they understand what we do. They've made yeah. crown a brand so in that, itself yeah. in, in Japan. Yeah, the wholesale side of it is a slightly different premise to most other factories. So most other factories have a range of shoes and they take and they sell them. Yeah, I have a range of shoes that I take and sell, but also I design and pattern cut. And my background's much more manufacturing side of things. So I'll have meetings. I go three times a year to Japan. I'll have meetings about what the new designs and trends are. And then I design specifically to suit their market. Oh. And for our online stuff, we just adjust it and make it more for the mass market, like the European market and the yeah, US market. Yeah, and I, I can kind of, because Chris deals with the likes of, you know, Beams, uh, Ships, yeah. United Arrows, Nepenthes, Needles, you know, all of these guys who... Um, you know, great brands to work with in Japan. Um, not as well known in the UK and Europe, but obviously they are very well known yeah. still, but nothing like what they are in Japan. So kind of they, they lead a lot of the time, but the, the whole view of the Crown website is to try and start bringing it back to the UK side. And we're obviously building our own customer, not our own customer base, but starting a new path that yeah. we're kind of taking Crown. But obviously the Japanese side of it is, is such a great thing to have <laughs> yeah. um, on board and it helps yeah. grow. Also the fittings brand. are different in, in Japan and Asia. They're slightly more. Yeah, of course, yeah. So we have to adjust that. Yeah. And you do all the pattern cutting for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, get, I probably do 20 new designs a year. Oh, wow. Some some sell well, some just yeah. go to the wayside, but that's just yeah. business, isn't it? You just have to keep on progressing. So what does your dad think? Obviously, he was doing something very different. He was, I mean, if he was producing people like Marks and Spencers, how many yeah. units a week was he making so back in the heyday? When he was my age, he had, I think it was about 300 staff, and it was hundreds of thousands of pairs. Wow. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's everything is a much tighter margin when you're making things like that. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a much more bespoke world. There's no one doing mass mass produced stuff other than people like New Balance. Mm. And this is the, a nice way to control it. So at the moment we're a small company, we've got 20 of us about, and I like how it's grown and controlled the growth. Um, it's very difficult to find skilled machinists and skilled staff, but we can teach them, that's the most important thing, and pay them a good wage. That's the other important thing. It's no longer factory work, it's more like a skill. Yeah. It's not like, oh, no, I work in a factory. It's, oh, I hang craft stuff. Yeah. It's a different proposition. I think that's what we're trying to, from coming in two years ago, it's about, well, bringing the, the heritage of the Woodford family, you know, fifth generation owned, tying that in with Northampton, 
but not saying we're you know trying to be like all the other Northampton shoot. We're trying to be you know slightly more progressive, yeah. a bit more casual. It's not just different. Not not even progressive. Progressive is probably the wrong word in that yeah. level. It's, 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 just, it's just different. Yeah, yeah, it's just different. You know, so we've got our own way. Yeah, well, we did to a degree. Yeah, so, but um, but no, look, I, I think I'm I'm from a more. I mean, I got married in a pair of Edward Greens because I'm from Northampton, and yeah, and but I don't wear Edward Greens every day. I'm, I used to have. What are you wearing now? I, well, I'm wearing Crown. Um, <laughs> but I used to have my own um, sneaker shop, so that kind of you know that I've had a background. I've just always loved footwear, mm. so Crown has always been an interesting proposition for me when I sort of came in a while back because it's it is very different to the other welted. Crockett Jones, mm. Ed Green. I mean, same same ethics and same kind of craftsmanship involved, but obviously being pushed out in a different way through sneakers and through more casual sort of uh, yeah. way. So did Mark come knocking on your door then, Chris? Saying, uh, give me a job, I'm really into sneakers. We, we, well, we kind of... <laughs> my shopping show. <laughs> yeah, we, we, sort of, yeah. I suppose, yeah. It was, no, do, do you know what it was? Mark said hello, I said hello. Mark said, have you got any ideas? Do you know, do you know what it was? Yes. There was actually... Chris, Chris probably can't remember it, but he will remember it, but how it worked was, I'm from Northampton. Mm. I had my own shoe shop. I've always loved shoes. Um, and I used to go into the shoe museum quite a lot. Uh, into the Fabulous archives. place. Yeah, and, I, and I've got fairly, fairly decent contacts with, with some of the people at the shoe museum. So I went into the old shoe museum. Now it's shut. It's reopening yeah. in 2020, I think. Um, I went into there and I saw a crown display and um, then I still had my own sneaker shop at the time but yeah. I was already had my eye on I need to start I could already see that margins were so tight within retail it was like you kind of need to differentiate and start making your own thing so I'd always always look on the lookout for the things and I did do my own brand um, not with Crown but um, but then I went in there saw it and I was like I've never had a Crown before or it's a new one on me for Northampton made a phone call to Chris. I think Chris actually came around the shop with, uh, and this was, yeah, this was probably about three or four years ago. Um, but then nothing really came of it. It was just, you know, we introduced ourselves. When the, when the sort of my shop, you know, closed, I just put a few feelers out, I suppose, <laughs> everywhere. Went to Chris and said, look, I'm actually not that handy, but I wouldn't maybe mind learning how to make shoes, you know, and, and train. But then Chris said, well, we're looking at actually doing something with the website and trying right. to push that side. And to, to be honest, I was more suited to that. <laughs> and it's taken, it's taken a long time to go. I mean, it's been a very much a, if the business is not sustainable on the growth level, then I have no place being here. Mm. Chris can't employ me, but it was, it was opened on a very much a, a yeah, commission-only yeah. basis. No, no, a commission of... Especially, yeah. Mark, create yourself a job. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it was. Yeah. What he's done is created yeah. four jobs, yeah. which, is yeah. which is fabulous. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's, it's, it's got there, and it, the model has just been steady growth. And I think, to be honest, if... It's like we said, if we had a big company come in now, like let's say a top retailer came in, you know, of the right stature and said, we want 500 pairs across this, we'd probably say no. Yeah. Because it just wouldn't be the right, we don't want to be chewed up and spat out, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's being in retail, it's so competitive in the moment. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I think more and more manufacturers are doing that. They're thinking, well, let's just go direct to the consumer now. Yeah, yeah. Because we can do it via the we website. We wholesale, but the right, the right. Yeah, we're very lucky in the timing of our wholesale. Mm. Not that we do any wholesale, but the time going online is the fact that we don't, have many stockists that are going to compete in a sale to yeah. race to the bottom to try and sell it. Yeah. And that's brought about, hasn't it, like another business model, which we're yeah. in probably the final stages. We're actually oh. around a meeting this afternoon oh. with someone. Um, <laughs> but basically, we're trying to do a bespoke uh, sort of in store trunk show, effectively. So, oh. and to kind of. Uh, the way I'm explaining it might be a bit all over the place because it's, it's just on a piece of paper at the moment, it hasn't actually. But 
but basically the whole the whole point of it is is that our made to order business model someone orders uh, online they wait uh, I think 10 to I think we quote 10 to 25 days for worldwide yeah. orders now the whole point of that is what we want to try and do is bring that in store so what our, is our best seller by far is our white sneaker mm. so we're creating like uh, almost like a rolling white sneaker program so that's going to show it's still going to be made to order it's going to shave some of the time off so it's going to make it a bit more sort of uh, achievable for well people who want to order it probably a bit more if they know they're not going to have to wait so long but what we're then going to do is we're going to use that in store as a, as, a, as a tool but then there will be like a little display cabinet where people can then go through a swatch book and ah. say ah, I'd like this um, so they can try the white sneakers on have a size run they can work out their size then they can go but I'd like it in yeah. Halloween I'd like it in Kudu so that would be pretty uh, bespoke be mate, yeah, basically and, from yeah. a customer's point of view you walk into a shop yeah. you find the size that suits you yeah. and then you choose the materials you want to buy it and then, and then the whole point of it is no need to go into sale if you don't want that white sneaker stock program, in the future it doesn't work for you yeah. we'll buy it back off you as long as it's in resaleable condition yeah. and then it kind of hopefully the whole point of it is, is to try and eliminate the nip because we're never going to go into sale on our website yeah. we're just never going to do it which yeah. a lot of we're not going to do it which is manufacturers and brands no no don't we, do, do. we don't, we don't yeah. want to and it's, and it's because you know it's rough for your own back you know you start doing that people are waiting for sales yeah. you know there might be the odd free shipping around certain times but yeah. that's been very few and far between because and you know and that's kind of where we've got to have the confidence in ourselves that that's our business model that's what we're sticking to to be honest the wholesale model we could get 20 stockists if we wanted to send yeah. it all out it might go into sale within three months then it just not destroys yeah. but it starts bringing down our brand what we've got yeah. and that's not the, what learned, we're looking and for and I've learned that from yeah. my Japanese distributors yeah. they, are, they have three or four people on it on the brand every day checking stores checking they're not reduced. do they really because they buy yeah. 25,000 pairs a year and they stock a lot of places so they have yeah. to check yeah. and that's that's the wise way of running something yeah. the only way of doing that here in the UK is to have a bit more control, control. yeah we're trying yeah. we're trying to not be super controlled but we're trying to keep it within our control mm. and I think to be honest you know especially with what we're selling you know we're selling you know, entry level 210 pound sneakers they're not going to be for everyone we understand the price point but the leather we use is on par with the welted guys you know in Northampton yeah. so we, I think and I've said, been on record a couple of times there, I can categorically say this, this, the leather we use for our sneaker is going to be I'd say probably the best in the world for sneakers yeah, I just I can on, I think we can mm-hmm. pretty close to say yeah. that, that, that that's I'm, I can quite confidently yeah. say that because our, our entry level is like pretty much calf leather you know yeah. oh, wow. soft calf leather yeah. and then we go on to Halloween then we go well then we've got the suede which is stead um, from, 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 from Leeds yeah, yeah. Um, which we've got good yeah. relationships with those then we've because then we've got Halloween which nobody really makes Halloween sneakers but that's the beauty really of what we do it's kind of a lot more bespoke there's a lot yeah. more choices you can make there's as much history with the leather and the tanneries in Northampton used to be mm. than, there, than there is a shoemaking yeah. so it all ties in together in fact, we just bought the last oak tan drum. Oh, did oh, yeah, you? Yeah, Don't I, they I, do that down in Devon, though? In they Northampton. Do, uh, oh, in so Northampton. The last, Northampton. The, the last, yeah. merchant, last tannery ah. show. I'll link, I'll link to the thing after oh. it. So will you be going vertical then and doing your own tanning as well? No, no. Chris just got it because basically what was going to happen was going to get smashed up, right? Yeah. It was going to get smashed up because it was 100-year-old, been polished for years and years and years, well, over 100 years, and then the oak inside was worth quite a bit yeah. of money because oh, so they wanted the oak rather than well the basically the whole like, the, the, the only and to get it out it was such an awkward piece of machinery yeah or, um, huge. You know, drum it's yeah. huge so so we had to kind of 
try and make it work. And because we're kind of from Northampton and there's a little bit of pride and heritage and Chris is a bit mental, um, <laughs> we've now got it in the lock. Where we'll is it do, outside? It's, it's over the road, we can show it to you. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so, um, but that, but that's the whole thing. It was saving it because if you didn't save it, it was, yeah, it was just fish back. So what are you going to do with it now? No, uh, what am I going to do with it? Right. <laughs> so when, when, we, when we open the showroom um, and we have people in for fittings, yeah. um, they can obviously get measured up and get a fitting that suits them. Um, then the idea in my head, which is not ever going to happen, I think, is, um, is to choose the leather next to the last tanning oak yeah. from left north. You can even sit in it and choose your leather if you like. Is that oh, well, that's cool. Well, the other thing, which which leads on for that, is you know cream teas out of it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Cream teas. Yeah. I mean that's a bit of a joke, but uh, but someone did say Airbnb. You know, like especially. <laughs> it's, it's, we'll show it to you, and it's quite an it's an, an very very unusual, but it's it's one of those things that it's meant for. Tumbling leather, you know, yeah. so, yeah. so there's not really much else you can. No. But I think definitely you can sit in it, and it feels very nice. Feels <laughs> very nice when you say. I don't know how, how did you actually move it here? Did you have well, to get I've got, it? I've got. The, I'll link the blog. It shows the. It catalog. I literally put done it yesterday. It catalogs the whole thing. It's. Um, yeah, we ju- we yeah, it's just read that. Brilliant. That's <laughs> why I love the fact that you're just kind of embodying the whole kind of the old part of Northampton but a new mm-hmm. a new way yeah, of doing yeah. things as well the heritage is great I'm yeah. so lucky to sort of be handed a factory but mm. it's what I do with it that's mm. important so it's, the staff that are here so you've got quite a few young people here but you've also mm-hmm. like got this chap here with a beard yep. did, you're saying he's old without saying he's old no he's a bit older <laughs> than me <laughs> Has um, did he used to work for your father has he been here yeah, for he's been here a, a long while. time he's been here uh, as long as I have 30 years I suppose yeah Bloody long time. A lot of them have been here a long time. But then you've also got some young people as well. Yeah, so. young people that we yeah. train up. Um, yeah, so, the, yeah, I suppose we have, yeah. Knowing it all from start to finish, knowing shoemaking as I do, um, is something that I can do. I'm, the, the company's still small enough mm. that I can employ someone and teach them pretty much any job. Yeah. And then they can they move generally move around the factory. In 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 here, people don't do the same job over and over. I was going to ask over. that. Do they do They're the trained function? in on so many different things, so mm. it helps in production. So if there's one part of work that's that's really really busy, and another they can move on to it and just shuffle around. It depends on the type of shoe that's going through. Yeah. There's a million different things. I think that's what pe- keeps people here, to be honest. Mm. That and and getting paid more. And the tea. And the tea. Yes, good tea. <laughs> but that's another reason as well. The start that we don't we want a lot of orders, but if we had too much too quick. You know, we wouldn't be able to set up. We've already had to push it out like five days, but mm-hmm. then we've probably settled on ten to twenty-five working yeah. days that that's doable. Yeah. Any more than you know, if you start getting more in, you're going to have to check the quality. You know, the quality. You can't just throw stuff through. It's still got to be of yeah, the same. Yeah. So quality. how are you going to cope? I mean, but that's uh, the whole point. It's got to be slow, slow growth. You know, how many growth. units are you making here a week at the moment? Uh, at the moment, seven hundred. Oh, but that's across. Yeah. But that's not just obviously sneakers. That's across the board. Isn't yeah, it? sneakers. Yeah. Sneakers yeah. is a couple hundred a month. But it's yeah. yeah. Most of our sales are in, in Asia for the whole sales. Yeah. Stuff. You had quite a tasty desert boot going through just right. now. When I so tell me the story behind that. Right, a desert boot is kind of a classic. Everyone knows it as like a Clark's thing, um, and Clark's obviously still make it, but they make it in Vietnam, I think. And it, it, traditionally in the UK, it used to be made on very old machinery that Clark's used to use, mm. um, something called a number 10 machine, which is what, basically what they use in all the welted machines as well. And um, it, again, it harks back to the heritage of footwear. And so I looked at it, liked it. And again, I was asked for it in Japan. So yeah. I created something like, once you have investment from someone in Japan who says, can you design and make this? And I have to buy the kit and, and make it. 
then um, it pushes you forward. Mm. Someone saying, make this, it'll work, mm. drives me to do it. Yeah. And then we then we take it and then Mark and I come up with new ideas and just adjust That's it. That's how they're going to be led by Japan, but then, you know, in time, you, you never want to stop Japan leading because they're always going to lead yeah. in their yeah. direction, whichever way they go. But obviously the whole view of it is to, for it to be, you know, coming from this side as well, you yeah. know, and taking the best from there. And it's, it's nice to have the kind of design and... Um, I suppose research that's going on over there yeah. that we can then say, oh, that's going to be right for the for the English market mm. or the European market or the US market because mm-hmm. some things, to be honest, they're very Japanese, aren't they? Yeah, and they're yeah. never going to be. It's just yeah. not going to work. I mean, the, what Chris does the most of is is the jazz stuff, yeah. and to be honest, that's just so Japanese, and people in Japan wear it. I always use again to say a Chuck Taylor. You know, it's like something you'll, or a Stan Smith, you'll wear it, it'll wear out, you'll buy the exact same one in the same colour again, and that's what you find a lot of the top. Some of the big, like, sort of designers and influencers in Japan wear just mm. our standard region jazz shoe, and we're not giving it to them to wear, they're just yeah. wearing it as, like, a classic, you know, and that's fantastic that you've got, that that's yeah, been established in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't that. think it'll ever come back? Because I remember in the 80s, when I grew up in the 80s, all the teenagers used to wear jazz shoes. Well, I've got two girls in dance that do dance, and... To be honest, my, my wife wears them. I just think it's some of those things. That, I mean, to be honest, it could be a trend that comes back around again. But the whole point of it is, we're not chasing that trend. Yeah. It's just, it's just there for us, you know. Um, and and Japan, also, basically, a, a, a jazz shoe, a simple jazz shoe, is is really harks back to the heritage of what we make in Northampton. It's a whole cut shoe, mate, but we just do it with really nice leathers. Mm, yeah, your leather looks much better than your traditional jazz shoe leather. I hope so. <laughs> Well, that then, and that then formed the basis as well, because we knew that was our, if you kind of, to go, that then formed the basis of where the sneaker went. Oh, of course, So yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the jazz, and then this, obviously, the whole coat, which you can't mm. see on here, but you see, and then it's the, we, hope, we always sort of say, if the stitch doesn't need to be shown, it doesn't need to be shown, you know, that's why it's, this is all bagged over around here, and you can't, yeah, obviously, the, 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 yeah. the similarities, um, and that then goes across the whole range. We don't, overdo it if it's not needed you know don't overbrand it yeah, you know and that kind of stuff yeah. so that new bagged out version you're showing me there in navy is that is that brand is new we, that no this is this is this is actually for i'm going to see it um i'm going to see a stockist a potential stockist on thursday so i'm just getting out of range but this is our yeah this is halloween but this is our standard best-selling sneaker like a sta- our stan smith our chuck taylor yeah if you kind of have it and then we've got um same in Halloween, and then this is a newer, like a slim down version. As you can see, like the sides are a bit, bit more slim line. I, think I need to invest in a pair of these. I can't believe I haven't got a pair of no, your shoes I can't yet. Believe it either. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and obviously, we also do slippers as well. So, like, that's another side as well. Mm. That, but we're always very careful, especially well, from the web. Chris obviously sells to loads of people in Japan on the website perspective. It's sneakers that sell the most for us. Yeah. But then obviously there's always other ranges that are coming in as well. And we do well on the stitch down, like sort of desert boots. But everything, we're kind of always just slightly tweaking it and stuff like that. But this, the sneakers is what's kind of, we're known for in this country at the moment and probably the US. Um, so, but we're slowly adding more design sort of um, elements to it as we go along. Fantastic. Right. Um, can I have a little tour now, please? Yeah. And I can drink my tea, my lovely tea that you've made. Yeah, I've got a cold tea now. Fantastic. Right, let's go on the tour. Yeah, let's start at the beginning.
where are we now? We're in the clicking room, which is quite loud at the moment. How long is this loud? I'll hold, just hold my mic closer to your face. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> this is basically where all the knives are stored and all the hand cutting is done for all the different styles we have. Over, over 30 years in this building, we've probably got, I don't know, three or 400 sets of knives. So old styles from the archive that we can bring out every now and again, just adjust the patterns to suit. Because especially when you're selling in Asia, they like the old classic stuff. Yeah. So it normally starts from the base of an old style, and then we work from there to get something that fits and works there. So this is clicking. So all the leather's selected and cut here. And how long is this chap here that's doing the clicking for you now? How long has he worked here? About one million years. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> been here, well, before I was here. In the industry, you were, where did you work before here? In Wellingborough? Combined rubber, making heels. Heels and stuff, combined rubber. Yeah, yeah, Always been in the industry. And now he's, now he's, now he's like, oh, pensional age. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> About 12 years oh, wow. in the trade since, since you began. 60 years ago. <laughs> and is he the only, only member of staff that you've got doing the clicking? No, there's three clickers. Um, a couple, one of them's part time, but yeah, to keep this many machinists going, yeah, you need constant, constant cutting. So yeah, yeah, we do some hand cutting of certain styles, especially new designs. Before there's quantity, yeah. everything's hand cut to start with. Um, and there's two presses here for the mass production. So from here, everything's cut, and then it goes upstairs for fitting and machining. Right, let's go. Back where we were. Thank you, nice to meet you. Right, where are we now? So now we're in the fitting room, basically where the shoes get prepped for machining. Um, stuff being done over in the corner are our really popular bits and bobs that have been stitched and are now being ironed and fitted and stitch marked, ready for the next roll. So I never would have thought you would have had an iron like that to press the shoes. Is that because your shoes are all bagged out? Uh, some of them are, it depends on the design. So we have um, presses if there's um, if it isn't bagged over. When it's bagged over, we find the best way to do it is with the standard iron. I know that's weird. Yeah. But um, it just seems to do the job best. Yeah. But the kind of bagged out look on your sneakers has become that's, your signature. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's with the sneakers, it's done with fitting and glue. So. So this here that you can't see is a <laughs> have sneaker to describe it. that's been um, backed on. So two bits of leather have been reverse stitched. It's got all its um, sponges and stay tapes and everything else that goes with it. And it's folded, it's glued and folded and fitted. It's a much more skilled job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that shoe. Oh yeah, look. And it gets folded over. So that's why the leather has to be really soft so you can bag it out. Yeah, usually, yeah. We can yeah, use yeah. any leather, so if the leather's thick, we sky it. That's another job up there. 
This is a skiving machine, so it skies the edge of the leather. You've probably seen it in other shoe factories. Yeah. Um, and it's just to bring down the edge to the right level so you can fold it and it looks neat when it's folded. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, machining. Oh, I've got, I don't know, about 40 different machines here and another unit over the road. Um, all do different jobs. There's a zigging machine, post machines, flat machines. A million machines <laughs> um, of different ages. Some people like the old machines that they're used to. So Anna over there, she's been here 15 years, I think. From just straight from school, came here. And she's an amazingly good flat machinist. And that's what she likes to keep on doing. She's tried a million other things, but she likes flat machines, so that's where she stays. Um, and that's an older machine. And this right next to you is a post machine that's fairly new. And that's um, Eby's machine, which she likes to work with. So you've got all these new machines, but actually everyone, a lot of them prefer being on the old machines. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They seem to do the job better. Better. Yeah. The yeah. only really new machines are like the sidewall stitcher for sneakers. Yeah. Because obviously they don't, they're fairly new construction in the UK. There's not many people that do sidewall um, stitching. Yeah, of course, yeah. So we had to get the machine in from Italy for that, but that was fairly recent. But funny enough, there's a machine that's, I don't know, five years old, sitting next, sitting next to a rack that's 120 years yeah. old from Stead's. Ah, yeah, because you've got a lot of the old fittings. Is this all the stuff? I mean, is this the same building that your dad was always in? In the 80s? No. So he had no. three different factories, two in Northampton and one in Kettering. Right. Making moxtons and handbags. So in this factory, when it started again in the 80s, uh, yeah, the late 80s, I think it was, um, he uh, started... We didn't have the mezzanine at the time, just him and one machinist. Oh, really? Oh, wow. But you're going to need a bigger place soon. Yeah, we're looking at that now. We've got another unit over the road that's now full, and then we're going to need, yeah, because we need more staff, we need more room. But the problem is the cost of shutting and moving and yeah. finding the right building when you do move. So it's, um, it's yeah. It's, it's yeah, because it's a week out, week out of your production also, if you have to move everything, Probably isn't it? Probably more than that. And then yeah. when you've got it in position, you've got to hope it all starts when you turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> and everything has to be planned so you get a new building we've got to put all the compressed air pipe work in yeah. everything else and all the three phase and all the other bits and bobs that you don't even think about yeah so it's quite quite pricey setting up a footwear factory yeah I don't think it's viable if you were to start from scratch you know I don't think so not unless you're starting in your own sort of hand or you have mass investment we're really lucky yeah. we have no investors to pay no backers to go oh my yeah. god they need pay yeah and we have a nice steady growth but that's basically just because we have the right skill set yeah so where do you find new staff from because you're at the rate you're growing you're going to need new people aren't you yeah we are so um usually word of mouth does it and also people in the shoe trades they tend to move from factory to factory do they yeah depending on if they hear of a job or hear of a place where it's yeah. when we're quite chilled in here yeah. it's a nice sort of chilled atmosphere yeah. I've been to some factories not in Northampton actually but in other factories um, when we travel around especially abroad where there's there's a person sitting at a machine with earphones in head mm. down doing the same job over and over and over yeah. that doesn't seem like something that I would I would enjoy so yeah. no one really does that here everyone just has a chat and gets on and you're really hands on then you're at the machines yourself sometimes yeah not sewing machine but glassing and making hand cutting designing Taping last, you'll often see me doing that. Teaching people what to do downstairs, the lasting and making yeah. and lasting things, yeah. That's that's my role. Everything. Right, so where are we now? So we're at Porto Lasting. Um, Lee here, he's been here for how long have you been here, Lee? Uh, 14, 15 years. 14, 15, he doesn't look that old. 14, <laughs> no, <he> 15 doesn't. <laughs> years. <laughs> so he does um, all our Porto Lasting. 
these, this is some of the stuff for beans, actually. Yeah. This is a, another take on the jashu. Just a slight variation with a different construction. And then further down the line, you've got hand blasting. And then there's roughing that you can hear in the background. And then cementing and then sole laying. And then the bits that go on after sole laying. All the bottom stuff. stuff and then shoe rooming at the end. Quite a hive of activity in here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's a line of people. Basically. Yeah. What, what, the, the same factory in, um, in say, China would all be automated. That's the yeah. difference between yeah. us and them. They have a factory that's called up to do mass production. The machine passes to another machine. Yeah. Whereas here, it's the person who looks at it and makes sure it's okay, checks the leather, the leather's on the stops right there. Then moves on to the next person who does what they're trained to do. In this case, it's auto lasting and checking the leather and everything else that goes along with it. So this chap here, he would be able to work on any of these machines yeah, in yeah, this yeah, line yeah, here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which helps, especially if someone's sick. Yeah, of course, or on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he can side last, he can rough, he can auto last, he can edge cement, he can do moulding, everything that's needed downstairs and last in a He's a very happy chappy, isn't he? Oh, we all are, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Really good. <laughs> right, let's go down there and have a look down there. Go around. <laughs> I see what you mean. When you say to move it all would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? So you have the gluing done near the door here, so yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. ventilation upstairs yeah. as well. So this is Ollie. Hello, Ollie. Hello, Ollie. How long have you been here, Ollie? <laughs> Six years. Six He's years. a newbie. <laughs> so he does, he does a million things. But, um, so Ollie does sometimes flicking, sometimes shoe rooming, sometimes sideboard stitching for the sneakers, sometimes chatting. <laughs> and at the moment, quality control. Well, the looks quality of control and just generally everything. Like everyone else here, a million jobs. Yeah. I think that's when you get the, the happiest staff, though, isn't it? Because they're not bored. Yeah, yeah. They're doing yeah. And also, it's part of when I employ someone is, is I teach them a load of things, and they tend. You can kind of tell which way they want to go and what they want to do. Yeah. And so that's where I put them. Yeah. It's that simple. I'm looking to see who's wearing your shoes. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's wearing yeah. a really old sample <laughs> pair from like five years ago. Yeah. They're still going. <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant. So uh, this is obviously at the end. Then this is where you're packing everything. Yeah. Where are these going out to? Uh, Japan. Beams. Yeah. Most of it's beams. Some of it's United Arrows. Some of it's, yeah, it's all over. It's, and uh, another order ready to go to South Korea over there. All over the world. And a couple to the States. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for the tour. That's all right. See you soon. Thank you. Goodbye, Mark. I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>for listening to the make it british podcast i make an episode every tuesday and friday plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally so don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live and if you enjoyed the show i would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on itunes the more reviews this podcast receives the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the uk 
Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye. Bye.